Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome to The Pleasure Zone, sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. I'm just excited to have all of you on today, especially that you saw the title of this and you are still listening. So today is actually more of a bit of a dive into our thoughts and the thought processes that might actually prevent us from having pleasure and how they affect our sexuality. So today we're talking about conditioning and the effects on sexuality and how to change it. Sex or sexuality or any kind of action that would create pleasure in our bodies and how conditioning affects them. Interesting topic, right? So right now in the world, uh, for those of you who are listening uh, during the live stream, it is May 11th of 2020. We are in a pandemic time uh, on the planet and a lot of things that I see going on have a lot to do with conditioning. There are certain images that are being thrown at us, things that are being said in the media, different types of wording that are creating conditioned responses in everybody. And that was partly what had me think about why not talk about conditioning and how that does affect our pleasure, our sex, and our sexuality. And then I got to also watching um, a show on Netflix called Hollywood, which is a bit of, it, it's kind of a fun show. It's not based on really anything factual, historical about Hollywood, but it's more like the what if story of Hollywood. What if blacks and women and gay men and gay women had equal rights in Hollywood in the 1940s and 50s? The what if, the big what if question um, and the look at that. And the conditioning that society has and the conditioning that we have personally around expression of, of sexuality, expression of our sexual selves. And I find it really fascinating how much, um, how much we are conditioned, whether we know it or not. And we can just start with some of the most simple thoughts on conditioning. And what is that first? I think some of you who are listening might even wonder, what does she mean by conditioning? There are technically in psychology three types of conditioning. Um, one, and there are obviously subcategories to everything, but the, the main ones, um, they're, they're kind of learned conditioning responses. And so the number one would be the classical conditioning. That was the one that is when people hear about Pavlov dogs ring a bell and the dog goes to eat, that's classical conditioning. And there's operant conditioning, which was revealed by Skinner. And then there's observational learning. And I don't know a lot about observational learning, but 
my take on it is this is actually what's going on right now in the world. And I, I didn't read a lot about it before we came on. Um, I was just referring more to the stuff I'd learned about in university. So observational learning, though, from my stance, is that this is what we, when we observe a behavior or we observe certain reactions in the world and we learn from those reactions. The other two, like classical conditioning and operant conditioning, are both forms where you have you have a response, say you ring a bell, and then you have the um, the reward that would be like food. So the response and the reward are usually what goes on, and there's an association between two things. Like if the bell rings, I get food. If you know somebody hits me, I get in. You know I. I go into the corner and cry. Or if I break a lamp, I get sent into the corner for timeout. I say the break a lamp thing because my little niece, who's three, is very good at not actually taking on any type of conditioning. She's kind of like a pro at at um, extinction, which is when you like get rid of conditioning responses, but she doesn't even have them to begin with. So um, she just she just goes with the flow, and she's like, "Man, she kind of brushes off everything, like water off a duck's back." She's like an awesome example of that. And I'll talk a little bit about how we do have different responses in my life. Uh, growing up, I had some very different parenting styles that went on. So my my father was more like an autocrat. And he was kind of, is he's still alive. My dad is very much a person who uh, tries to rule rather than parent. He tries to like rule by domination and rule by um, correction. And there isn't a lot of kindness happening in the universe. But compared to what his father did, his, his, uh, parenting style was way more kind than his father who somehow must have read the work of Pavlov at some time in his life or had in some kind of insightful idea into psychology because my great grandfather had a had a conditioning with his children where he would uh, just beat them publicly um, humiliate and beat them publicly so that they would not so that they would not do something in the future they didn't actually even take an action. It was just, in case you're thinking about it, this is what will happen to you. So they had all of the beatings, even if they didn't even do anything, which created a lot of uh, strange relationships, both between my grandfather and his children, and then his children, uh, like the children, so like my father's generation and his kids. And we're now just starting to get out of that. So my parenting style is very different than my dad's, but I, I do still see these parenting styles present in uh, other family members. So it's interesting to me to see how conditioning, not only does it affect like one generation, conditioning can be something that gets carried through in multiple generations. So if you've got the first generation who and we're going to bring this down to like a sexual response. If you have a generation who's told masturbation is wrong, and if you masturbate, you're going to get 
either whipped in your hand, you're going to not be fed, you're going to go to hell, you're going to grow warts on your hands, then that condition, that belief system is now so strong in that person, they're conditioned to believe that's true, their mind now operates on, if I masturbate, I'll get beaten, then that belief system is carrying through to not only them, but the next generation. So then the next generation comes along and the parent maybe catches the child masturbating. And there's always an underlying current of energy that will have you have shame going on with that anyway, because the house, you just can't avoid shame when it's that prolific. So when you have this underlying energy of shame around something like masturbation that gets passed on generationally, it takes a while to untrain that. And my question is, how do we get out of conditioning? And there are a lot of ways that people can be, you know, unprogrammed or have extinction. Extinction would be the absence of the conditioned response. There, there are a lot of different ways that that can come, um, come like come to change, and um, and that's in like a traditional psychotherapy approach or psych- uh, psychiatry approach. And then I, I wonder too about the other options uh, beyond like, you know, training somebody into a new behavior. Um, what, what if we could be a totally different energy where people don't have to be trained into one behavior out of another behavior, but they are more invited to become more of who they are, whatever that looks like. So... Training out of one behavior of the behavior of masturbation is wrong. You should not, if you are doing it, hide it. Make sure that it's never seen, never heard, never acknowledged. For one thing, uh, yeah, making that like something like masturbation super evil, that condition being passed on generation after generation after generation. And then say coming to my generation where, um, you know, we became a little more aware there was more information available and you might you know I might have chosen masturbation regardless of getting beaten for it and or humiliated because of it and I might have you know gone on and done something about it in my life so that I don't pass that on to my daughter which is actually quite the story of how things occurred for me in my life so from humiliation and embarrassment um you know, constantly being uh, told how, like, what I was doing was wrong. Pretty much from the time I was really little, I was conditioned to believe that if you go to bed with underwear on, if you go to bed without underwear on, you're, like, inviting evil into your life. Um, You're becoming a temptress. And I was, like, three or four. And so at that age, it becomes strange. And then I had, on the other side of my family, my grandfather, who was a doctor, who said, this girl's got to stop wearing underwear to bed. She's getting bladder infections all the time, and she's getting issues, and this isn't good for her. Uh, she needs to get all things off of her tummy when she sleeps. To the other side of the family where they're like, if you don't wear underwear to bed, then you're just a dirty person. Really confusing information. And the conditioning from my dad's side was so strong that I had such a a conflict going on in my life around self-pleasure, which 
is really wild to think about because here I am, I talk about this all the time. So really familiar with the, ener- the energy and the, the, um, the training that people and parents put into their kids. Whether it's conscious or not, there's, there's usually some super shame going on in their own lives that they haven't resolved, that they're passing on generation after generation through different systems of conditioning, whether it's verbal shaming, which is a type of conditioning um, as, as much as the reward of if you don't masturbate, maybe we'll give you something. We'll give you a, a, a toy or a gift. So my grandmother on the doctor's side of the family, I was a thumb sucker until I was six years old. And my grandmother had another form of extinction for my conditioning. So for me, Sucking my thumb was a great reward and very soothing. And I did it for a number of years till I was six or almost seven. And the training um, that I was being given by my grandmother was a reward system. So for every time I didn't suck my thumb, I would either, I think, I think there was something I would get. It was like money. But then eventually she realized that that wasn't a big enough reward. And she was really good at listening to what I wanted because she was like a master manipulator and, and good honor for her awesome master manipulation skills. She listened really intently to what I wanted. And what I really wanted as a six-year-old, believe it or not, was a fancy teacup set. Like not a kid's teacup set. I wanted like the kind of teacup set that if the queen was coming over, I could serve tea in it. So my grandmother said that if I stopped sucking my thumb for a number of months that she would give me a tea set. It wasn't just a tea set. It was actually just one cup and saucer um, and that I could like earn more of this tea set as time went on. And so she showed it to me. So the temptation was there, right? So I really wanted this. I really wanted my target. And through, um, you know, it was painful to have to think about this like teacup and how am I going to get this teacup if, you know, if I suck my thumb and I couldn't hide it because my, I would suck, suck my thumb so much that my thumb always looked like it had just been exposed to five hours of water because it had been because, you know, I could sleep, I could hide it. I could, I could like pretend I was like twirling my hair and stick my thumb in my mouth. And I, I did it all the time. I was, I love apparently having things in my mouth. You go from being a thumb sucker to a cock sucker. It's all good. You got to suck something, right? That's just so the conditioning for a few years went away from the time I was six till I was about 16. I wasn't sticking a lot of stuff in my mouth, but it turned to 16. My grandmother didn't know about giving me more teacups to stop sucking cock because I think she would have if she knew what was going on in my life. So oh, my poor grandma, she could have known, but she maybe didn't. And so we have these different types of ways that we're conditioned into things. And there are definitely ways to be conditioned out of them. And sometimes the reward system works and sometimes it doesn't. We're going to talk about more conditioning um, and the effects on, you know, our sexuality, how that affects us and how we can get out of it right after this commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? 
Lean In Now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone Radio Show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at MilicaJelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. Tonight, we're talking about conditioning. What is it? So conditioning are different ways that we learn to act and behave based on usually a reward system. So if you're not familiar with it, you can look up stuff on Pavlov. We're not really going to dive into lessons on on uh, conditioning today. We're really looking at how it's occurred and how we can change some of the conditioning that we've taken on. I just wanted to give you a brief earlier in the show about what some of the different kinds of conditioning are and how that sometimes shows up in our lives. So some of the, con- some of the ones from my own life uh, around thumb sucking and masturbation and all that jazz. And so now let's look at um, for you, like what are some of the things that have been ex- uh, in your life that you've been exposed to growing up that maybe you weren't even aware have affected your sexuality or your choices sexually or your sexual drive or any of that? For some people, they might um, say that the conditioning they grew up in was based on religion and what they were told every day or you know weekly or whenever they would attend. Uh, some kind of religious ceremony that their choices for sex were, you know, A, B, and C. Um, there, there's a great show that I was watching called Unorthodox on Netflix as well, because, hey, I've had a lot of time to watch Netflix. And a fascinating part of uh, the Unorthodox show is that there's a young woman who is trying to, she's trying to reconcile her beliefs in in uh, Judaism with her feeling of wanting freedom 
And she comes into the story quite uneducated um, and not having, not really having a lot of uh, experience, being pretty naive and really having no experience or understanding of sex. And the whole, her whole education of sex would probably turn you off of ever even wanting to have sex. So it's these kind of systems of education that make sex really unattractive. They also are part of the conditioning of how we respond to sex. So if you were told your whole life that sex is only for procreation, then when you go to have sex for the first time, you might have the belief that you are going to be pregnant. Because a lot of times they don't say it can lead to procreation. They say sex is for procreation. And as you start to believe that, you know, every time you have sex, if you don't have a baby, you'll think there's something wrong with you. And if you do get pregnant, then at least you've done your job right. But it's definitely not for pleasure. So we have a lot of these different kinds of conditioning that go on. There's conditioning through, even through just, uh, like I mentioned earlier, family and what has your family passed on generationally to you. There is that conditioning of religions. And I'd have to say that there are probably very few religions in the world that are open to sex. Maybe the one that would be open was the Osho cult. Uh, you know, the Osho cult was pretty open to sex because he was all about sex and sexual energy. And um, so maybe him, but the rest of the world, I don't know if there are a lot of religions that advocate for sex. I suppose maybe Satanism, uh, but even then that's more for ritualistic purposes for the most part. So any ways that you've been trained into a certain belief about you that you feel like you're struggling with. If you feel like, well, this is, you know, I was told that sex is only for procreation and you feel like you're struggling with that, the chances are that that struggle is an indicator that those beliefs don't actually work for you. And the chances are that that feeling that you're having is a good indicator that you would probably like to change those beliefs. And maybe you're just looking for a means of how do I change this? How do I change it of thinking that sex is only for procreation? How can I change that so that I can have pleasure in my life? And it's a great question because if you have this training in your life, if you've had this conditioning for so many years, and if it's been passed on generationally, if it's reinforced by your religious beliefs, if it's reinforced by friends, if it's reinforced by society, then there's going to be a lot of things that will have you feel like you're fighting against them. You're struggling to kind of find your way, even though you might not, you know, even though everything about your conditioning feels off, it still might be a struggle to get out of it. And a lot of times, especially with conditioning that has to do with your sex and sexuality and your choices sexually, a lot of times those conditioning, uh, those, that condition kind of training is set up to have you feel pretty crappy about yourself in a way that you're probably going to struggle with choosing something different. 
And I realize I say, like, it is about choosing something different because a lot of times we think it has to be a big, big, big process to change out of that. I'll use the Hollywood uh, program on Netflix as an example of switching out of it and making a choice to change it. Although we know that everything about that movie was, uh, that program, that uh, series, is is really convoluted and it's like an ideal. But just as an example, yeah, so in the example, there's a, a character, Rock Hudson is supposed to be one of the characters and his uh, screenwriter boyfriend, I think his name was Archie, are, um, so we have a black screenwriter, African-American screenwriter, and we have Rock Hudson, and they're both supposed to be gay characters. And what they choose to do in, what the writer of the Hollywood show chose to do was have them be be openly gay at the at the red carpet for the Oscars. So their choice, they had a choice, and their choice was to come out of the closet and hold hands on the red carpet. So they didn't have to choose that. Their conditioning would have said to them, don't do that. It's going to destroy your life, your career, and nobody will like you. But in this show, they have it so that they chose different. They stepped out of their conditioning and created like a revolution. <laughs> so, well, wouldn't that be awesome? It took a way longer time to create that revolution. However, Every time somebody steps out of their conditioned response, it opens the world to something completely new. So I'm going to say that again, that every time somebody chooses to step out of a conditioned response, and we're talking about from, especially today, from a sexual, uh, sexuality, sexual response, Every time somebody chooses to step out of that, they are opening the world to something completely new and different. Let's look at some other people who have historically in in life actually gotten out of conditioned responses. And some of them are, uh, for example, Ellen DeGeneres. She also stepped out of the closet in the 90s. It created a massive backlash at first. And then it opened the world. She's quite the pioneer of being openly homosexual. So really cool that people are choosing to get out of the pressure and and all these things that have been reinforced, reinforced by saying if, for example, reinforcement for Ellen, for example, might have been something like, Ellen, if you come out of the closet, you're never going to work again. And if she hears that enough times, she's going to say, holy crap, I'm not going to come out of the closet because I don't want to lose my job. So that kind of brainwashing is actually a conditioned response, right? So you can brainwash people as much as you can brainwash them into being diminutive parts of themselves or aspects of themselves. You can also condition people into being the greatness of them wouldn't it be so much more amazing if we are going to use these tools of manipulation like conditioning what if we could condition people into being the greatness of them but truly i wonder like what else can we do other than trying to train people into something can we just let them be who they are that's my my target for the world and 
so we look at all of these different ways this has occurred historically. I also am really interested in looking at how there is a lot of play that goes on uh, in in different scenarios. For example, with like bondage and domination, the BDSM category of um, you know when people are playing in that field, that a lot of that, like so much of it, is has to do with a conditioned or the concept of conditioning, right? So if um, if the sub does exactly what the dom is asking for, they get a reward. So it's, it's again, it's a reward system, which is very much like the Pavlovian um, approach to conditioning. So the reward system can be used and is used all the time. I've heard people say that they, you know, if you're ever manipulating your lover with sex, that is conditioning. If you say, for example, um, deny your partner pleasure, unless they do so-and-so, well, I'll only give you sex if you go make me a cake. People do this stuff all the time. If that's the case, then then they're going to be trained into making a cake for you in order to get sex. And then every time they make a cake, eventually they're going to expect sex because that's what you've trained them to do. So if you if you are playing in this area, you really want to consider a few things like, are you ready to have somebody trained into this particular behavior for life? And if you are willing to have that, because you're basically the one reinforcing it and giving them the gift that will keep that, the gift that keeps on giving, that'll keep that behavior in place. If, if that's a behavior that you like, Okay, and if that's a behavior they're okay with, because I'm all for choice and for consent, go for it. If it's not, then this is actually manipulation and abuse. So that's something to think about. So have fun with those thoughts. So we're going to head to our next commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melissa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. 
Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. This is the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at milicajelanich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone, sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight we're talking about conditioning. And sometimes we've been conditioned into, by conditioning it's kind of like a training. So there's a rewards system going on, usually with uh, conditioned responses in us. And generally, uh, we've been conditioned into things that we don't really want or like, which is why the reinforcements uh, have occurred to have the conditioning stay in place. So as a child, we look at some of the behaviors that we have as children that are reinforced. Um, so most parenting these days includes some kind of you get a reward or you get a punishment, like the punishment reward system, right? So the main ones that I see a lot of parents do is timeouts. And I can honestly say in my 12 years of parenting, my daughter has had one timeout ever, and that wasn't given by me. It was given by my mom. Um, and fairly enough, it was given by my mom because uh, my daughter broke some of her very expensive jewelry when she was asked not to go into um, my mom's jewelry at all when she was about three. So she never did that again. Um, and the and the response was that she was going. And for my daughter, like the worst thing in the world is to be ignored for even a minute. So for her to have a timeout for one minute where nobody talked to her was the fastest learning experience she ever had. And it never, she never did it again. Like, it was interesting. It wasn't, it's not my parenting choice style, but it was my mom's and my mom was looking after her at the time. So she got to experience what some uh, rewards and punishment uh, training are like. I guess I don't, parent for many of those. So when I look at like how am I conditioning my daughter to behave, uh, it's interesting because most of what I do is I don't condition her at all. I ask her a lot of questions all the time and see what she knows. And even when she gives me a response, I'll question her response to see what's, what's like holding her belief system in place. And it's always an interesting conversation. We had a really uh, in-depth conversation the other day about something that was going on that she didn't feel like talking about, which was fine. Um, and it, it actually arose from a homework question she was given to respond to about uh, the question of who gives you hope. And she's like, nobody does. In fact, I don't feel any sense of hope. Maybe the people who are cleaning the ocean give me a little bit of hope, but the rest of it, no. And I was like, oh, that's neat. 
So instead of yelling at her going like, can't believe you'd say that. I'm your mother. You should la 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 la. I thought, wow, I wonder what I've chosen that would have her feel that I don't, um, that I don't provide for her a sense of whatever hope is to her. So that led into like an hour conversation. Now I could have, I could have done a few other responses. I could have just, you know, condition, I could have cried to make her uh, feel that anytime she doesn't do what I want or praise me that, um, that she has to deal with my sadness because parents are freaking awesome at that too. Uh, many, many manipulative parents who cry when they don't get what their kid's doing or they, or they fear for their child, all of that, guys. If you've got parents who are constantly guilting you, that's manipulation 101. And you are now conditioned into responding to their guilt, um, their guilt tripping. So congratulations. And guilt tripping goes a long way to destroy your sex life, for sure. So if you have so much guilt tripping going on that it's in your head constantly worrying about have you done enough, have you wrote up, there's actually like no room for anything pleasurable because you're in constant lack mode. Where there's lack, there's very little pleasure unless you have um, unless you have a fetish for withholding, and in that case, then there might be a lot of pleasure for you there. So it depends on. It's very. It's not common, but it's possible that withholding will be something that would turn you on. So I did kind of tap a little bit into how also, uh, you know, there are are ways that you can directly use condition conditioning methods in order to have the sex that you want or use sex as a, as a tool, as a weapon, as a, uh, as a reward, as also as a punishment. So, for example, withholding sex from your partner is a type of a punishment. Um, rewarding them with sex when they do something that you think is good is a reward system. And it is a way that I would say historically women are really good at this. We are like born pros at how to manipulate, particularly manipulating men into um, getting things or things that you'd want so that they have, so they get to have the sex and you get to have the whatever it is you're looking for. There are lots of women out there who will withhold wait for their partner to give them roses or flowers or, you know, money or jewelry, and then the sex comes. So then they're trained into that response. Like, I I know somebody who's, who was trained into the response of, if I have a fight, I'll end up having great makeup sex. So what you're essentially training the person into doing is constantly fighting with you so that you have makeup sex. How do we get out of this crap? When I call it crap, because it's probably not working for you. Um, chances are pretty high it's not working for you. But if it is working for you, just use it. Use the conditioning to your advantage. But if it's not working for you, what do you do to break out of it? And there are really, truly, easily classical ways of, like classical psychology, psychology ways of getting out of a conditioned response. And the number one way to do it is to withhold the reinforcement. So... 
for example, we're going to go back to wife gets flowers and jewelry from husband and then gives the reinforcement of sex. Well, if the wife still continues to withhold, eventually the husband will stop giving the flowers and the jewelry hoping to get sex and maybe the conditioning of that response can break and you'll be able to choose sex rather than feel like you have to play the game of how to get it. So it's when the, and also the response. So if the person who, for example, get in a fight and then the husband reinforces with giving the flowers and jewelry and then the wife also reinforces by giving sex, so it becomes this like circular loop. The husband can stop it as well by not giving the roses and flowers and saying, and just saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you the roses and flowers this time. So we're gonna talk about this. What's really going on? That's way, that can be way more scary than actually looking at. You know, looking at what's really going on can be way more scary than keeping that conditioning in place, especially if you have all the money in the world and you can just go out and buy diamonds every week to get yourself a blowjob. Well, I think it's actually probably cheaper just to give your wife cash for the blowjob, frankly, but whatever, whatever works for you. So if you if you have been trained into your response, then let's look at how to break it. And when you look at a fight, and this is like the energy of a fight in general, it's conditioning is like there's an action and a response. And fight is the same thing. There's an action and a response. And in order to get out of the energy of anything that is like tied together like that, one of those things needs to be removed. So the response needs to be removed. The action or the reaction can be removed. And when we talk about it in relationship, it's like, how do you, what can you choose to remove your, either yourself or remove the argument or remove the situation? And when you look at the entangled energy, it's like, it's like it's all tied up into a knot. And sometimes you can get one of those knots where you pull the string and everything just unravels and it just straightens up. And sometimes you get like a knot where you pull and everything gets tighter and harder and tighter and harder. So it's to be, you can be kind of strategic about where do you unravel this? How do you pull the string that's going to unravel this and straighten things out? And you can play with different things that can start to do that. Most of the time though, disengaging from the situation can create one of two responses. The person will feel rejected and then like chase you down to have conversation with you and get in your face. Or the other response could be that they just walk away and don't come back. So, you know, it's, you know, there are definitely other, there, you know, you can disengage in a way that doesn't do any of those. And part of that is that you can change your energy. And I was like, whoa, what? You can change your energy? Yeah, you can change your energy. So this is like psychology from an energetic perspective. Yes, we can change the reinforcements. We can do all of that. And that sometimes takes a long time because the training to have that response took a long time. And sometimes training out of that response will take equally as long or sometimes longer. 
especially sometimes things become an addiction and trying to train out of those becomes quite difficult. So what do we do to change the energy? So in the example of husband and wife, um, you know, they, they create a fight and then husband goes out and reinforces the relationship with, ro- you know, roses and diamonds. Well, he can change his energy from he could just by choice, literally asking himself, what am I choosing this for? Is this creating the outcome I desire? It's That's my number one thing to get you to do is stop and ask a probing question. Not a, oh my God, why is this happening to me? Not the pathetic crap. I'm asking you to ask a probing question that's going to give you information that will assist you in changing the dynamic. And so what kind of probing questions can you ask? What is this? What's going on here? What what can I choose that will give me the result that I desire creating here? So that can create so much change, truly. And also stopping for that moment to even ask a question can that in itself can change the energy especially if you're so used to going on autopilot, you know, have a fight, respond with the roses and diamonds. And if you stopped for a second and said, I wonder if this is creating the future I desire by like reinforcing this behavior that I have to keep on giving roses and flowers to have sex. I mean, flowers and diamonds have sex. Is this creating the future I desire? What is this creating? I wonder what else I could choose. I wonder. And maybe there's a completely different choice out there for you. And you'll be aware of it. you got to stop for a moment and ask a question that can create something different. And also, you know, instead of projecting onto the person things like, well, I'll only, you know, I think you're only going to have sex with me if I give you roses and diamonds. Like, that's a projection onto the person. Well, I already know what you're like. You're not leaving any room for the person to change. So looking at where you're doing that, where are you being the energy of presuming, projecting, assuming, expecting, that stuff's crap. (laughs) It's not creating... I don't think there is any one of you out there that could say that that's creating a future that you would like or a relationship that you would like, whether it's with yourself or with other people, that assumptions and projections and the projections are crazy, right? Throwing your thoughts into other people's heads to think you're fucking smarter or better, it's not really going to work. It's just being a superior jackass. And that's fine, like you can be that. And what if there's a different choice here? What if you can be a different energy? So we're going to look at more of that. But first, we're going to head off to our next commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. 
on the Pleasure Zone Radio Show with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at militzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone, sweet pleasure seekers. I'm curious about what goes on in your mind during these commercials and like, what are you thinking about? What were your last thoughts and where are things headed for you? I'm also curious about what in your life has had you feel like you were conditioned into uh, a sexual life that maybe isn't working for you. I'd love to hear about it. I don't know if you know this, but you can actually get a hold of me. You can find me through my website. That is a great way to connect with me. You can send me a um, message through there. So my website is www.milicajelenic.com. So milicajelenic.com. If you message me, I will be so grateful to hear from you and to hear what you you are feeling and experiencing in terms of what it is that you know that you were conditioned into choosing, um, you know, whether it's got to do with like hiding the masturbation because it's so wrong or because you've been told it's so wrong or whether you've been trained into a certain response with a partner so that, you know, you have this crazy game going on um, that isn't really working for you or maybe you're really into using uh, conditioning as a playful tool with some bondage and domination play. Whatever it is for you, if it's working for you, keep choosing it. And if it's not working for you, by all means, contact me so that we can work on a plan to get you out of your conditioned responses that don't work for you. I absolutely love working with people who are ready and willing to have more in their life and who are so excited to have more pleasure and are so curious that they're willing to literally look at every aspect of them that's not working for them so that they can have everything and anything that they desire. So fun. So with our kind of a, this is really kind of like the tip of the iceberg in terms of conditioning. There's so much that goes on physiologically as to how this response gets into our body what it does to to uh, stay in the body. And a lot of it has to do with survival mechanisms we have in place. It's like, we'll do whatever keeps us alive. And if, if we have reinforcement that tells us that there's a consistency that happens, that that will keep us alive. And so we'll continue to do things that we feel 
will keep us alive, even if they seem like shit. We'll keep doing it because we have been conditioned to. So I know that word. I've said it a lot, a lot, a lot in this show, uh, way more than I probably have collectively in the last 260 shows. But it is a really great one to know, and it's a great one to work with because we've all had it. I can tell you that even though I I think I've raised my daughter without it, I bet you she could tell you in you know a few years that that was not true and that I'm full of crap and that I conditioned her into all kinds of things. <laughs> and I'm always willing to have those conversations even when they include me. So if you are one of those people who has the the um, the kind of knowing that whatever is going on in terms of some of the conditions from religion, society, parenting, any of that, if none of that's working for you, definitely the one thing to first start to do is to notice what that is, like what is that loop is that's going on that's like, oh, when A happens, then I do B, or if A, if I do A, then B happens. If you have this thing where you notice this trend and this this uh, cyclical thing going on, once you notice the loop, you can start to notice different ways that maybe you can change either your response or your action or whatever was going on so that your that loop can break. And just like a circuit of energy, as I was doing grade six science last week and doing circuits of energy, when you have a complete circuit, the energy keeps running and running and running until you break the circuit. And so, and this is what the plan is, is that if you can break the circuit, you can stop that running insanity going on. And one of the ways to break the circuit is to become aware of the free circuit of the loop and then make a choice to open that loop so that things can start to shift. And sometimes it's just saying no or just choosing a different reaction and that can change your loop completely. It can be that simple. It really can be. I am so grateful for all of you who listen and for all of you who write to me. It's so wonderful hearing from you and I love hearing your feedback and your questions and I just love it. So remember to connect with me whenever you feel like it. Until next week, stay tuned in and turned on. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.